Would you turn in God's Word to our passage for today? We're going to take it in two parts. It's again from the greatest teaching the world has ever known. I, I've just said that so many times, but um, nothing compares to the insight, to the depth, to the majesty and the truth of the Sermon on the Mount. But uh, if you'll join me today as we begin, first with, um, with we're going to start in Matthew 5 for just a second, in verse 14 through 16. And then we'll jump to our passage for today. The reason I take you back um, to Matthew chapter 5 is because this is one continuous teaching. And there, there's truth back there that relates to our passage for today. Just as there's truth beyond our passage for today that relates to our passage. But as we seek to, to become people of prayer. In particular today as we seek to learn how to pray in a way that pleases God. I know that might sound odd to you that... that we could pray somehow in a way that displeased God, but we're going to see today that that's true. As we seek to pray in a way that pleases Him, we need just a little bit of context. So beginning in verse 14 of Matthew chapter 5, we hear these words just following, following the Beatitudes, following that amazing teaching about the nature and character of a heart that hungers for God. Jesus says these words, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the house. In the same way, Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Turn over now, maybe a page, or it might be on the same page in your Bible, to our passage for today. We saw last week that that, um, Jesus invites us to practice our righteousness, our relationship with God, and our right relationships with one another. He invites us to practice those things in a conspicuous way. I know it sounds like I'm going to be speaking out of both sides of my mouth, but he invites us to do that in a way so that others can see. And, and those of us who have worked hard together to try and understand this relationship of our personal relationship with God and his call to make disciples who make disciples have discovered that that's how that happens. You live your life in a way that honors God, even if the culture doesn't. And, and people of peace, people who God has prepared ahead of time to receive you, will see that and will respond to your righteousness. Again, I want to defang that word. Um, I, for the longest time, could not even say the word without thinking of the word self-righteousness. This is just simply right relationship with God and right relationship with other people. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, he said, Now beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. And we saw last week that Jesus challenged us to, to four, I'm going to stick with the word spiritual disciplines, four spiritual disciplines that will put us in a place where God can transform us. Do you remember? We talked about giving to the poor. Giving to the poor transforms us, whether that's resources, whether that's time, whether that's energy, emotional energy. 
When you give to the poor, it it transforms you and blesses them. And then we saw, thirdly, that, that he invited us to forgive other people. We'll see that again today. How critical it is that our heart is right before God and other people through forgiveness. And then we saw, and we'll pick this up in a couple of weeks, we saw that he invites us to, to experience fasting before God. Um, the one I skipped is the one that we're dealing with in this series, the one we're dealing with now. And that's prayer. And beginning in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6, uh, Jesus says these words, And when... You pray. You must not be like the hypocrites or actors, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father. Don't miss this glory of the opportunity to pray as to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, he continued, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before You ask him. There's radical stuff in here, you guys. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us, and here in Matthew it's recorded as debts, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The very word of God. Amen. Amen. God, I just pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations, God, of all of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. going to invite children, if you would like, you can join uh, your, your fellow worshipers in the back. You are welcome to stay with your parents here, uh, or you're welcome to go and join other children for a special time of church worship. We will look forward to seeing you uh, next, uh, excuse me, at the end of the hour, about 1130. God bless these children as they go and bless uh, our hearts, would you? God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, children, young adults, adults, would be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much for thinking deeply with me over these weeks about this gift of God and the ability to communicate with him in a personal way. God, God uh, has always invited his people to be in relationship with him, but until, until the time of Christ, there was no bridge over this chasm called our sin. 
And, and now we, as these disciples to whom he's speaking, have this amazing opportunity to, to um, communicate, to pray, to converse as a, as a man speaks with his friend, uh, with the living God. And so we've been exploring together, what does that look like? What does it look like to pray in a way that honors and even pleases God? Well, it's interesting, when, when Jesus was addressing this issue, that the first thing that he did was, was, to, uh, was to tell you not, how not to pray, right? And, and, and I don't know about you, but so many times I often can learn more from the backside of a question than the front side. So Jesus starts with his disciples to say, when you pray, so he's assuming that we're praying, then, then don't pray, uh, don't pray as if God doesn't see. He uses a little bit stronger words, as you heard in our scripture just a moment ago. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Again, that word just simply was an actor. Don't be like people who act like they have a relationship with the living God, but don't. For the hypocrites, he says, love to stand in the synagogues and on the street corners that they might be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. A couple of of words jump out of there and don't miss this. Because we're so used to, to thinking that we should do things without any thought of reward. But twice in that passage, God says, there's a blessing for those who are in intimate relationship with me. There is, there is a, a reward for those who communicate, remember that, commune, and enter into community with me in, in a way that, that uh, honors me and blesses me. So twice he uses that word, reward. One in the negative sense, if you pray so that other people see and, and, and you're praying for their, for their response, then, then that response is the only reward that you'll get, whether it's positive or negative. That response is the only reward you get. But if you pray in a way that only your Heavenly Father understands and can see, if you go into that secret place and pray in secret, there your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, it's even hard for me to say that because I just was conditioned all my life to believe that we should do things for without thought of reward. And, and in a sense, Jesus is saying your problem is not that you that you think that God doesn't re- or that you that you're searching for a reward. Your problem is that you don't you don't have a big enough view of God who wants to bless you, who wants to reward you, who wants to to um, respond to you in a way that blesses your life. So what is he saying? What is he saying? He's saying, don't pray for show, right? Don't pray for show. Anywhere or anytime. And the safest way, the safest way to not pray for show is to, is to enter into a discipline where you pray privately and even, it's a stronger word, secretly. Secretly. 
the whole of, of Matthew chapter 6 is, is about the importance of a father who sees what is done in secret. And, and, and do not miss this foundation. I'm going to come back and say that's not the only way we should pray. But, but don't miss this. But the foundation of a life that is in communion and communication and community with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is one that has at its core a relationship in secret. That secret place. Jesus, Jesus tells us that we, we need to focus on, on that secret place. Don't pray as if God doesn't see. But he also encourages us to say, don't pray as if God doesn't hear, right? Don't pray as if God doesn't hear. In Matthew 6, 7, he says, And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. In other words, well, and it actually translates in our scripture, don't babble. Don't babble. Uh, Various translations translate this differently. Some say vain repetitions. What is this babbling, right? Don't, don't pray over and over again the same thing without your heart and your mind being engaged in it, right? I try, um, I, and you might feel like sometimes when I'm praying, I pray a little bit over dramatically because I try and knock myself off of just the ritual of praying. Just a few moments ago, we, we prayed a powerful prayer. We're going to see how powerful it is in the, in the end of our time today and in the bulk of our time next week. Powerful prayer. But do you ever find yourself starting to pray and, and, and then getting to the end of it and realizing you didn't remember a word that you just prayed? My, oh, thank you. There's one honest person in the room. Thank you, Brent. If, if you're having trouble identifying with me, have you ever, oh, no, I'm going to scare you, have you ever got in the car and started to go somewhere and arrived at the other place and not remembered anything in between? Okay, okay. Um, that's a little spooky, isn't it? Now, now imagine if there was someone else in the car with you that had been conversing with you, right? Or in relationship with you that whole time. And, and, and you got to your destination never having realized that they were with you. You're starting to get a sense of the heart of God, aren't you? Um, don't, don't just keep using words, right? When your mind and your heart are not engaged, because, because that's just like a cacophony of sound to me, God says. That's just like Babel to me, right? It has no meaning or purpose to me, and it has no meaning for you either. It has no meaning for you. Now, it's really tempting, because it's always easier to... To see something in someone else, isn't it, than to see it in ourselves? It's really tempting to, to think about whole movements or even religions where this is a critical part of it. And, and, and I'm not going to go there, although it, it seems to be very easy to see th- repetition done for the sake of repetition. Why don't I go there? Because I'm vulnerable to the same thing, right? I might not do it as formally as they do with, with, uh, you know, a chain or beads or different things like that. Um, I might not do it as formally, but I'm just as vulnerable. 
And so Jesus' words to, to people stuck in vain repetition are his words to me, too. And he invites me to a deeper relationship with him. Don't pray. Don't pray as if God didn't see what's going on. Don't pray for show. And don't pray as if God doesn't hear, as if he's not listening, right? Now, does, does this mean that, that, um, that we should never pray the same thing? There's a lot of scripture. There's parables that say, no, it's okay to pray the same thing. Jesus himself, three times, was it in the Garden of Gethsemane, prayed, Father, if it be possible, remove this cup from my lips, right? Just don't pray it endlessly and mindlessly. Jesus was sweating great drops of blood while he prayed that prayer. It was not a mindless or meaningless prayer, right? Paul himself, in one of my favorite passages in 2 Corinthians, he says, three times I asked of the Lord, remove this thorn from my flesh, right? Three times I asked of it, but he said to me, my, my grace is sufficient to you, for you. My power is perfected in your weakness, not in your strength. But do you see that Paul and Jesus prayed for the same things different times? They just didn't do it heartlessly or mindlessly. They didn't pray as if God doesn't hear, right? Thirdly, I just want to invite you, don't, don't pray as if God doesn't No, right? When you pray, don't heap up empty phrases, for they think that they'll be heard by their many words. Do not be like them, verse 8 says, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Again, I shared with you before when Karen and I were sitting on that playground and, and, and Matthew was, was so tiny that he was very vulnerable, just learning how to walk and learning how to climb. And he started to climb that big, for him, it was like four times his size, slide out there. And, and, and Karen, whose job it is to protect our children, um, um, said, go help him, right? And, and Dave, whose job it is to put my children in danger, I said, no, leave him like he is, right? Leave him like he is. Watch him, right? And he climbed all the way to the top. No, I, I haven't been out there for a while, but I think it's about that high. He climbed all the way to the top of that and, and then chickened out. Don't, don't look at me like that. I've seen you at the top of high dives, right? We all put ourselves in situations we cannot extract ourselves. And, and he got there. And, and Karen said, go get him, Right? I said, no, wait, wait, right? And one of the few times, I think I was right in my conversations with my wife, one of the few times Matthew finally, finally turned to us and said, help me, help me, right? I can feel it right now. dun da 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 you know, put on my cape. Superman went and, and helped Matthew off the thing. Do you see, do you see... I knew Matthew's needs that whole time. I knew. I, I, I would have been surprised if he would have got up there and gone down that. I knew that he was in some danger, right? Um, and, and, but I needed Matthew to know that he needed me. I needed Matthew to know that I knew. And when, when it came to that place where he was at the end of his resources, 
um, he turned to the one place where he knew he could get help. And, and your Heavenly Father just invites you to do that. But do not be mistaken. He sees you. He knows your situation. Remember, um, her name just gave me Hagar. When, when, she, when she was desperate, God met her and she said, you are a God who sees me. He sees you. In your vulnerability, he hears your cry, right? Not because you do it endlessly and over and over again, but because he's listening for your voice, right? He recognizes it. I'm astounded when I'm in a room full of mothers, and we have a couple different groups where there's mothers involved, and, and I hear a baby cry, and I say it just literally that way. I hear a baby cry. I don't know whose baby it is, but three mothers in the room don't do anything, right? And one mother goes, ding, 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 right? Because she recognizes the cry of her child. Doesn't it make sense that God recognizes the cry of his children, right? And he hears your cry. But then he invites you to this deeper understanding. Your father knows what you need. Another time we'll explore that. He knows what you want to he knows what you say you want. He knows all those things. But I'm grateful right here. He knows what I really need before I ever ask him. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the very last verses, Psalm 139, um, 23 and 24. Do you remember that memory verse? Search me, help me, O oh God, and know my heart, right? Try me and know my anxious ways. See if there's any offensive or hurtful way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting, right? Uh, so so we're, we saw that a dangerous prayer to pray is for God to know you, to search you. But, but then we reminded ourselves at the very end that he didn't start knowing us because we invited. We saw that when that psalm began, Psalm 139 began, the psalmist, the same one who prayed at the end, said, you have searched me, you have known me. That's the kind of God that, that you worship. One who created you, who formed you. One who's sovereign over every aspect of your life and who knows you intimately and knows your needs intimately. So since your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ever ask Him, don't, don't fill up your prayers with extra words, right? Did you ever notice how... How brief the Lord's Prayer is. I didn't count the words, right? But, but the most powerful prayer a, a follower of God, of Jesus, has ever been given is not many words at all, right? It's incredibly concise. God's not swayed by the quantity of our words, right? But by the condition of our heart. By the quality of our heart, right? That's what makes a difference for God. So how not to pray, right? Don't pray as if God doesn't see. Don't pray as if God doesn't hear. Don't pray as if God doesn't know. So two questions kind of come out of this whole thing. 
um, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stir up a can of worms and things like that. I think I messed up my imagery. Stir up a hive of bees and, and, then, and then leave you to go deeper into God's word or to come back at me another time. If this is true, if this passage is true, is Jesus condemning all public praying? No. No. Jesus prayed in public all the time. A couple of them were Matthew 11 and, and, and John 11, but he prayed all the time. Sometimes it was almost conspicuous how he prayed. Father, I know that you've already heard me, he says, but I'm, I'm, I'm saying this out loud so that they can know that you hear me, right? So Jesus, Jesus was not averse to praying in, in public. He's not condemning all public prayer. Is he just saying then the only place to pray is in the secret room? Does anybody, when I say that secret room, does anybody flash back to a war room, to the movie? Right? Isn't that phenomenal? Wasn't that phenomenal? I, I, the things that are, and I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but the things that, that I'm struck with in that movie are how she took away all other distractions by putting herself literally in the prayer closet. And then, and then when God gave her something to pray for, she put it on the wall, right? And if you have not seen the movie, it's a tremendous movie made by a um, church, basically. But um, the, this is an amazing story of how an older woman mentors a younger woman into a deeper understanding of prayer and, and saw this prayer closet as her war room, that place where she did spiritual battle. So where should we pray? Is it just in the secret place? No, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, right? In the secret place, certainly. I, w- I want you to hear that because many of us need that distractionless place. We need to carve out a place where we can go and pick up with God right where we left off. It might surprise you, but my, my prayer room is my office. I can go there and pick it up right where I left off. Uh, as long as I leave my laptop computer screen down, right? I'm vulnerable. Leave that down and pick up right where we left off. But we pray in a secret place, but we have also he invites us to pray with our families. With our families, right? Where are children going to learn how to speak intimately with this living God, if not from, from their, their children, excuse me, from their parents? And so... so critical nature of praying together as a family. Yeah, start, start with a dinner table, right? Um, be a little careful about repetitious prayers. It takes a long time to unlearn them, right? Um, but let your children see your heart. And then, and then as we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 6 weeks ago, pray with them when they rise. Pray with them when they go to bed. Pray with them on the way. If you're driving, keep your eyes open while you pray. When, pray with your family. Pray in the secret place. Pray with your family. Pray in small groups. In, as we alluded to earlier, in Matthew 18, when he's giving us an absolutely life-giving, life-transforming principle about how to deal with broken relationships, he ends that discussion. When, when you hear Matthew 18, I hear sometimes, I hear... Um, yeah, what? first go to your brother, then, then take someone with you, and then tell it to the church. You know, right after that, in the same paragraph, in, in fact, it says, For wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. I want to say Matthew 18, 19, and 20, right? 18, chapter 18, verses 19 and 20. 
wherever two or more are gathered. There's this beauty in praying together in small groups. And I just want to invite you to that. And those of you who have, have um, small groups that you're a part of, or maybe even that you lead, don't miss the critical nature of praying together in that group. But he also invites us to pray together in large groups, in, in the church, right? In worship, both, both in settings like this, um, but also settings much larger. A, few, a couple of weeks ago, I was at a concert of prayer here in the city where, where 15 different churches had gathered together to pray for our city. One of the beauties of a concert like Winter Jam is that, that 10,000 people will be together praying together for the glory of God and his purposes in our city. So, so don't, don't think that he's saying the only place that you can pray. But at the very same time, don't miss the fact that he's saying this is, this is a powerful place that you can pray. And maybe the first place that you should pray in the secret, in your prayer closet, in that place where you personally meet with God. So is Jesus condemning all public praying? No, not at all, not at all. He's just inviting you to do a deeper experience of it. But really that last, that last aspect of if God already knows what I'm going to pray before I pray it, then, then why pray, right? And if you haven't thought this question... The people, anybody that you tell about your Christian life with will ask that question. Why should we pray if God already knows? Let me hit four little details here, but, but, then, but then maybe make one overarching statement. Why pray? First of all, because God says to pray, right? He, he commands us, he invites us, he cajoles us, he encourages us. We, we pray because we're told by God over and over again. James 5.16, pray for one another that you may be healed. As we saw last week, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Luke 22.40, pray that you may not enter into temptation. Luke 18.1, he, um, he told them a parable to the effect that they should always pray and not lose heart. Luke 6, 28, bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. Matthew 6, 9, pray then like this. Jesus, countless times, God in his word, countless times invites us and even commands us to pray. So that's enough reason right there. But here's some other beautiful aspects of it. Don't just pray because God tells you to. Pray because it increases your joy. It increases your joy. Jesus said this in John 16. Until now, you've not asked anything in my name. This is three years into their relationship, right? Until now, you haven't asked. Disciples, you haven't asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full, right? We pray because it's designed to increase the fullness of our joy. God didn't create prayer as a work for us to do. He didn't create prayer so that we would be unhappy. He created it so that that when we convey our hearts to God in the name of the Son, God the Father in the name of God the Son, God the Spirit moves with fullness of joy 
that we would not otherwise know. Let me say that again. When we convey our hearts to God the Father, thank you again for that gift of, of that intimacy of calling God Father, worship team. When we convey in our hearts to God the Father in the name of God the Son, God the Spirit moves with a fullness of joy we would not otherwise know. Is there enough joy in your life? Pray. Pray that your joy may be full. So we pray because God tells us to. We pray because it increases our joy. But we pray also because it's a, it's a staggeringly awesome privilege, right? Who knows the mind of the Lord, Paul says in Romans chapter 11. Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given him some kind of gift that, that he might be repaid For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. You have the privilege of coming before the King of kings and Lord of lords. You have the privilege of speaking face to face as a man speaks with his friends with the living God. With the living God. It is an astounding privilege. Right? And... We pass on it on a regular basis. We pass on this amazing opportunity. God wants us to pray because prayer is commanded. Because it brings us joy. Because it is an amazing privilege. God Just press pause for a second and try and wrap your brain around this. God has created a world. God has ordained time. God has set apart heaven and earth and even hell, right, to make our prayers real causes for real events. So I'm addressing a very hard issue. Is is what happens when we pray? Does it change God's, we're going to hang it out here, you guys. Does it change God? Got us some no's out there. And let let me ask you to consider. Does it change his character? No. Does it change his actions? I'm hanging it out there. I'm saying yes. I'm saying that God intentionally created a world where he makes himself vulnerable to the prayers of his people, right? You don't pray, you don't have, he says, because you haven't asked. I'm just going to paint that picture, right? Something hasn't happened, and God says to us, it could have happened, but it didn't because you haven't asked. Right? You haven't asked. You would have had it anyway, but because you didn't pray, um, you don't have it. This is breathtaking. This is, this is frightening. This is astounding. Your prayers matter. It won't change God's nature and character. And many times it won't change what he's going to do. 
But God has placed himself in a situation where he waits for the prayers of his people. And if we neglect this privilege, if we neglect our participation in, in God's activity in the world, then we, above all people, with so much power and glory at our fingertips, then we, above all people, are acting foolishly. We pray because it's an amazing, astounding privilege that God gives us to interact with Him. Prayer, fourthly, prayer glorifies the Father and the Son. Whatever you ask in my name. He says, this I will do, John fourteen thirteen, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. We pray because depending on God the Father in prayer in the name of Jesus makes Him glorious and strong and wise and loving in the eyes of all who see Him. In other words, prayer glorifies the Father and the Son. Prayer glorifies the Father. We're going to see that again in a minute. So let me just go back for a second to Matthew 6, 1. Do you remember? Don't do your deeds of righteousness before men to be seen by them. Don't do your deeds of righteousness to be seen by men. Well, how then do we pray, right? What kind of prayer is it that pleases God, right? In direct correlation to that is this idea that, that please God by offering your prayers to an audience of one. Pray to God. This has amazing ramifications for other religions as well. Pray to the one God, to the one who has the power and the nature and the character to be able to respond to your prayers in a way that will bless you and bring glory to himself. Pray to an audience of one. That's the beauty of praying in secret. That there's no confusion. There's no temptation there to to put nice sentences together. There's just this invitation to commune with the living God who sees what's done in secret. Pray, offer prayers to the audience of one. Then the beauty here, and we're going to just invite you to think about this this week, but then we'll explore it in depth next week, is that right here, Jesus gives us a pattern for prayer. Right here, he gives us a pattern. Now, remember, he didn't say, pray this. And I'm not trying to denigrate at all the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer. I'm not trying to denigrate that at all. He didn't say, pray this, like there's some magic. Remember, I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that, that when I first began my life of prayer, the first thing I did was start repeating, without the Holy Spirit in me, I started repeating the Lord's Prayer. And I'm not knocking that. It, was, it, it drew me toward God because of the things I was praying without understanding. But he didn't say pray this, he said pray like this. In other words, there's a pattern here which can bless you if you can translate it into your world as well. Pray, make your prayers offered according to this pattern, Jesus is saying. Right? What is this pattern? Let me just give you a different way of looking at it. And then we'll come back next week and we'll look at it in depth, the the beauty and the glory of this Lord's Prayer. Pray again for His glory. 
Jesus tells us to pray for his glory, for the, for the keeping and making and keeping of God's name as holy. That's what hallowed means, right? As a sovereign Lord who's going to make his justice and rule and his kingdom known on earth. Pray for that. Pray first that God would be glorified, right? No matter what the cost, glorify yourself, God. And the whole first half of the Lord's Prayer is all about that. Again, we'll unpack it next week. But, but secondly, he says, pray for his gifts too. Give us this day our daily bread, right? We'll unpack that a little bit next week as well. But, but note that God is waiting, wanting to give you good things. A whole parable is dedicated to that. Will not a father give to his children good things? God wants to gift you with good things, including enough grace, enough provision for today. Pray for his gifts. Pray for his grace. What are you talking about? Forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven those who sin against us, right? Anybody here need forgiveness of sins? Oh, man. That's, that's grace. Do you deserve forgiveness of sin? Oh, many of us barked up that tree, didn't we? Many of us spent a lot of time trying to somehow earn God's favor, and we couldn't do it. <laughs> we couldn't do it. At some point along the journey, we got worn out trying to earn God's favor, and then we realized what we'd had from the very beginning, that God in, in mercy and love gives us His grace. Jesus Christ died before we were ever aware, right? So that we might become the righteousness of God, Second Corinthians 5.21, so, so that we might experience right relationship with God. That's, that's pure, undeserved grace. God gifting us with something too, too beautiful to, to comprehend. Pray for that. Oh God, I need your mercy, not getting what I deserve, but I need your grace too. I need you to go before me, God. I'm helpless without you. Forgive me my sin. And again, next week we'll explore the importance of forgiving other people their sin as, as a result. But then lastly, just to put a big framework around this pattern for prayer. Pray for guidance. Pray for guidance. Lead us not into temptation. Remember that, that word means testing and trial. That's one word with three powerful meanings. Temptation, testing, and trial. God, guide me away from trial. Guide me, God. Away, deliver me from evil. Guide me in paths of righteousness, God, for your name's sake. What kind of prayer pleases God? Prayers that are offered to him and him alone. Prayers that are offered according to a pattern, recognizing his glory, receiving his gifts, uh, ruminating or what marinating in his grace and calling out moment by moment for his guidance. But then let me just put one more point on that and to say um, prayers that are offered with a merciful spirit themselves. 
right? A merciful. If we can't offer mercy, we can't expect to receive it. And, and so all around you are broken people doing what broken people do. And, and you don't have to be judge and jury. You don't have to resolve all the conflicts. All you have to do is point them to a way of life. And, and, and this strange phenomenon that I don't completely understand, when, when people see people living a life that brings God glory, that receives the precious gifts, that is grace-filled, right? And moment by moment, seeking guidance. When people see someone doing that, then our life truly has become a prayer. And other people will come to the Lord as well. Pray with me, would you? Oh, God, thank you for my sisters and brothers. I always feel so foolish, God, because so many of them have experienced the richness of some of the things that I'm talking about here, God, in ways far beyond what I could have ever asked or imagined myself. So many of them, God, have experienced trials and temptations and tests that, that are far beyond anything that I have experienced, God. But I thank you that, that your grace was sufficient for them. And I thank you, God, that, that in the simple invitation to come to you and make known to you the concerns of our hearts, God, that both we are transformed, you are worshipped, and even if, I can't even say it, but blessed, God, that you give us the power to bless you in our prayer life. And God, then you're set free to deliver and to honor and to transform. So God, this week, would you, would you help us deepen our experience of you? For those of us just beginning, God, would you help us to risk praying? For those of us, God, somewhere on the journey, would you, would you lead us into extraordinary prayer? God, one step beyond ordinary. Would you take us to new heights, God, new richness in our communion with you? And God, I know that not only will we be blessed, but our families will be blessed. Our neighbors will be blessed. Our city will will be blessed as a result. So, Father, one more time, we offer to you the prayer that Jesus taught us, refusing God to utter words that our minds and our hearts have not embraced, but believing, God, that as we pray these things, you will be honored. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.